Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And he's here because he decided to be here. And he met that goal. You're a successful (laughs) human being, Chuck. I wake up every day. And I set goals for myself. So you like just getting Go out of work, bed? Get out of bed. Take that shower. Look, take it across good. from Josh yet again. <laughs> Clean those armpits, Chuck. Done. Good going, Chuck. You're a real go-getter. Uh, yes. I have a bit of an intro. Okay. Slightly anecdotal. It's not necessarily newsy. Maybe this time last year it was newsy. But, um, Chuck, you heard of the Occupy movement, of course. Yeah. If you go down West Peachtree, you'll see like maybe 14... Stout-hearted people. Are they still there? Tents. Still there, man. Wow. Yeah, hats off to them. Um, but the uh, the whole Occupy movement. One of the big criticisms of it that I I remember, and I think is still floated pretty frequently, because I was just discussing this with my aunt and Yumi, right? Uh huh. And my aunt's an old lefty, and um, she has like very pronounced ideas about the Occupy movement. What a great thing it is, and all that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and she she was saying. We were talking about whether or not it was successful, and one of the criticisms of the Occupy movement is that they they didn't have any goals; they were goalless. Yeah, and so how could you ever think about being successful if there's no goals, right? So my aunt was saying, "Well, no, they were successful in like spreading awareness that there's like a plutocracy, and you know, there's this one percent, and they're in charge. So they were successful like that. They didn't need a goal, and that's kind of part of the point." Sure. Yumi made the point that um, we, the Arab Spring that it was based on, yeah. all had goals. They had a stated goal, and mostly it was getting this one person out of power. Right. So there was a measure of success or failure, and most of the time it was a success, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least it was an ongoing, continued goal. Right. So when I said that, though, when I was like, well, you know, they didn't have any goals, I felt like such a schmo, like just a corporate, like, Dude, yeah. it's like, well, they, they didn't have any goals, so they failed at it. And I'm curious, like, I feel like we in this country are very much obsessed with goals. You're right. And we are, um, we equate success with goals, reaching your goals. Yeah. And not just here. No, but it seems like the West. The West. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we should explore that. Okay. Without any research whatsoever, let's just start <laughs> talking right now. Well, I was, I was, in, it was interesting reading in this research because I was, I was kind of all over the place. Like part of me was like, cause we're going to talk about like, sometimes goals are great. Sometimes there's a downside to them and here's sometimes you can achieve them. Right. Sometimes you won't. Yeah. Um, I was vacillating all over the place with it yeah. em- emotionally. It was, I was on a roller coaster. Yeah. I was like, man, goals aren't that great to set sometimes. You should just be mindful and, uh, prideful about doing great no you can't be prideful if you're a religious type because pride is a, is a sin what's that to do with the goals though well you're saying you have to be prideful you can't be prideful you're hamstrung if you're religious right out of the gate oh okay yeah i was talking about myself oh gotcha uh and then other parts of me said no you know goals are great and so i think where i landed <laughs> was sometimes goals are great sometimes they're they shouldn't be around yeah, I guess the, it probably is context specific and individual specific in a Very lot of much. cases too. Um, but at the same time, I think part of the problem is like with this obsession is that there's 
we try to figure out how to streamline things, whether it's um, achieving goals or whatever. And so we try to shove a one-size-fits-all thing down people's throats. And in this case with goals, it's set goals and achieve them or be unsuccessful. Yeah, and there's also sort of two parts to this, which will be intermingled, which is um, personal goals and, like, corporate-type goals. Right. And it's interesting. If you look up goals on the Internet, um, you got to go a long way to get past financial advice. Almost everything is like financial goals, financial goals. If you're 20, you can think about retirement. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or you run into that guy who's like, go. <laughs> and for those of you who are like blinking in disbelief, yes, we're talking about goals, G-O-A-L-S. Yeah. And let's define what we're talking about. Everyone has an idea of goals, but we don't want it to get confused with um, something like uh, um, drive, ambition, um, right. intention. Sure. So say Chuck, you are, um, you're like, Oh, I want to, I, I want to be a guitar player. That's an intention, right? Yeah. I want to be a good guitar player saying, no, I, a good I'm, guitar player would be a goal though. Wouldn't I it? guess, yeah. but you want to play guitar. Okay. We'll just say that's an intention. Okay. Saying I want to be, you know, a, um, I want to be able, I want to be a performing quality guitar player within the next six months. That's a goal. Right. That's a stated goal. Or I want to learn the solo for Carry On My Wayward Son by next Thursday night. You better, man. You've got that show. <laughs> In my Kansas cover band? You've been you've been talking a lot of smack. You better be able to deliver. Uh, my Kansas cover band is actually called Wayward Son. Well, yeah. Yeah. Every Kansas cover band is called Wayward Son. <laughs> yeah, we have a club. Uh, so where should we start? Should we start with... The downside of goals and then some of the more positives and like how to achieve them or? Well, let's talk about goals and, and how to achieve them. Okay. There are, this is, there's been a tremendous amount of studies since the seventies and eighties, especially in, um, organizational yeah. psychology. Sure. The field of psychology is to blame for, um, goal obsession, I guess a lot of people say. Yeah. And especially in the seventies and eighties, not yeah. just starting there, but that was when people were way into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my, my family has this book, you know, the family bookshelf. <laughs> oh, yeah. From like stuff like that. Like, the joy what, of cooking. what color is your parachute? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one that I still have. I've never, I've never been brave enough to crack it open because I don't want to like <laughs> accidentally just get the snippet of information and I'm ruined as a creative person. But it's called, um, Becoming a More Creative Person. You could tell it's like a goal oriented self help book to yeah. become more creative. Is this at your dad's house? Yeah, it's at my house now. Okay. I, I adopted it. Maybe this it's like full of, like of cash. Talisman. You know, it's one of those books that's hollowed out in the center. <laughs> I've never opened it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I, I bring up psychology because there's a lot, there's been a decent amount of study that under certain circumstances, you know, goals, setting goals can be helpful. Sure. Right? Uh, the problem is if you go to the internet or you get one of those self-help books or you start listening to, self-help gurus, mm -hmm. you're going to get um, a lot of information, and not all of it is good. Um, but, of course, all you can do is sort of study and ask questions on people who do reach their goals. Right. Uh, so it's kind of hard to determine what is good advice. But um, I thought this one article in particular was pretty good because they listed out 10 things, only about half of which were good advice, but you will find these 10 things listed commonly. And they are? Should we just go through them? Yeah. Uh, number one, step-by-step -step plan. Make a step-by-step -step plan. Two, motivate yourself by focusing on someone else who has achieved a similar goal. Right. Like, 
Look at Josh. He quit smoking, and he lost a lot of weight. And think about me all the time. All the time. Drive yourself mad. Uh, number three, tell other people about your goal. You hear that a lot. Yeah. So you're sort of publicly accountable. Right. Um, think about bad things that will happen if you do not achieve the goal. I think that's negative, personally. It, okay, go ahead. Uh, number five, talk about the good things that happen if you do achieve the goal. Um, number six, suppress unhelpful or negative thoughts about your goal. Right. Uh, number seven, reward yourself for making progress. Number eight, rely on willpower. Number nine, record your progress. Number 10, fantasize or visualize how great your life is going to be when you achieve that goal. So those are 10, the, probably the top 10 techniques, according to a psychologist named Richard Wiseman, who uh, wrote a book, I believe, in 2010 called 59 Seconds about goal setting and goal achievement, right? Yeah. Those are the top 10 techniques culled from thousands of people. Yes. You want to give them the big surprise, the big twist to that list? That list has a twist to it, Chuck. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Half of them are proven to make goal achievement harder. That's right. Uh, the the even-numbered ones were ones that uh, people who try those techniques usually don't succeed at, at meeting their goals. The odd number ones were proven techniques that um, that Wiseman found uh, – were commonly used by people who set a goal and met it. Right. And sadly, in his study of the thousands of participants who had like stated goals, like quitting smoking, losing X amount of weight, sure. whatever it was, um, only 10% of them met their goals. But of those 10%, those odd-numbered uh, techniques were the ones that that were that proved successful. Right. And he goes on to point out that you can't prove that that caused it's one of those causation things. Right. It's correlated. That. Yeah. But correlated does not prove causation. That's right. Uh, so quickly again, the odd number ones, these are ones that uh, should help you out. Uh, make the step by step plan. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, articles on con- being concrete with your goals. Yeah. And also it breaks them down into um Sub goals or something smaller and bite sized. So, like this big sure. amorphous goal, like becoming a good guitar player in six months, right. becomes, you know, I don't know anything about guitars, but learning this chord today. Yeah. And then this. And when you put it all together and you've been keeping track and writing it down, it, it's, it's controllable. Exactly. You're a control freak for doing this in the first place. <laughs> and now you are able to graphically display that habit. That's right. Uh, so, make the plan. Uh, tell other people about your goal. They say that's a good thing to do. Um, think about the good things that will happen, but they say to draw the line at like fantasy land. Right. Don't do that. No. Like when, once you find yourself bathing in a lake of chocolate, you've gone too far. <laughs> and also I want to say, um, telling other people about your goal. Yeah. You know, there's like whole websites set up to like publicly shame you. Really? To keep you, uh, on track when you're sending, uh, when you're doing a goal. There's this guy, ah, oh, I wish I could remember his name. He did, he came up with basically the Twitter diet. Yeah. Where you tweet to your followers, okay, I'm going to do this. And then every day you weigh yourself and you tweet the results. And then if you've gained a little weight, everybody Ooh. piles on you and calls <laughs> you a loser or whatever. And wow. Keeps you uh, on your, on, on track. And apparently it's been proven to work. Huh. There's other ones where you, you log in and you track your progress. And as long as you're not a liar, it shows that it, it it keeps you on track um, for things like quitting smoking or something like that. If you go in and say, oh, I, I had a cigarette today or whatever, yeah. this thing will actually deduct an, a certain amount from your bank account that's connected to it, to PayPal. Wow. And they just take your money. Like say, every time I have a cigarette, I have to pay 20 bucks. 
And when you go on and, and keep track, this thing just takes your money out of your account. And it's been shown to work. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, because people like money. Exactly. Wow. People love money. You know, I've thought about declaring something like on a weight loss plan to like the Stuff You Should Know Army because that's a good... Uh, they keep you honest for sure. Well, but they're too supportive almost. People would be like, oh, it's okay, Chuck, you had an eclair. Like, don't worry about it. We still love you. <laughs> it's like no one would hold my feet to the fire. Uh, you think? Uh, you know, you do pose a pretty... That is... I think you might be right. I mean, people would be very encouraging, but I think they would love right, me. Right. No, I, I, see, I see what you mean. You need some sort of... um, Huh. It's too bad that we don't have like um I don't know like a a fitness podcast or something like that. Those <laughs> right. people would really hold you to it. Well, I I've say got try a... it. Dude, give it a shot. Oh, I don't know. Give it give it a shot. America Chuck <laughs> Chuck is going to need his feet held to the fire and you're going to do it. Well, on that note though, what I'm doing now is I, I found that a a poundage goal it's just in getting on that scale is no good. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on like literally weekly and daily goals. Like I've got my little calendar up mm-hmm. on my refrigerator mm-hmm. and my little marker next to it. And I mark publicly in my household if I went to the gym that day. And the goal each week is, you know, four times a week. Good for you. And the weeks that I don't go four times, it's I'm sitting there looking at it and it's shaming. I, I think Yumi and I are going to go in together and get Emily a riding crop. To smack your thighs with every time you uh, you don't get you don't reach your daily goal. Yeah, the poundage goal just. I, I had someone tell me it's like don't get on a scale. Just like well, if you want a way to obsess, yeah, like there you have it right there. Yeah, but it also it works for some people. And exactly, I, we're coming around right here. Like if that makes sense to you, right, right, and you then do that. But it works for some people. For other people, it's just a little too much. Okay. So quickly, the remaining odd things that should help you reward yourself for making progress. Um, and that doesn't mean if you're dieting and trying to lose weight, you reward yourself with like the hot fudge Sunday necessarily. Yeah. Um, and then record your progress. And that all ties into the accountability and writing stuff down instead of just visualizing and thinking about things. They say to be really concrete, like write it down, look at it. Make it physical and real. Right. And that's why they think that goals work when they work. Yeah. Is they take things out of the subjective and put them into the objective. So um, the there was a study from the 70s, Bandura and Simon. And I can't remember Bandura's name, but his name is really familiar to me. He came up with something else. I guess it was habit formation. But um, they, uh, they figured out that th- I guess they took a bunch of severely obese people. Yeah. And divided them in two. So the control group was told to just do their best at losing weight. And the other group um, were were told, like, you need to lose X number of pounds by this week and X number of pounds by this week. There's, they set goals. Right. And um, they lost something like 50%, twi- no, twice as much. The people who set the goals lost twice as much as the people who were just told to do their best. And they think it's... Probably because it's just saying I have something to focus on to pay attention to quantify my progress sure. rather than, you know, what does doing your best mean? To well, there's people? ambiguity there because someone right. might say, well, I did my best and my best just isn't good enough. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. That's that's absolutely correct. And then not, not just with weight loss. I mean, like people during this whole goal-obsessed 70s and 80s um uh, there there were studies of how setting goals could reduce like accidents in the workplace sure um 
how they could reduce sick days. Like it became an obsession with companies. Yeah, still is. Yeah, um, to basically say like, hey, everybody set a goal and we're going to make a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, and there's there's also this thing called stretch goals. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. I hadn't either. And I was like, that smacks of corporate buzz speak. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look that up. And in Low fact- hanging fruit. It was, yeah. <laughs> uh, stretch goals was coined by the legendary um, GE CEO, Jack Welch. Ah, uh, okay. And it, he, he basically said like, a stretch goal is something that you some virtually unattainable goal that you give to the, your employees to shake them out of their out of their ruts, basically. Which isn't great. People are finding out. No, but for it, companies at least it does bring us to a uh, to a question though, Chuck. Like this whole the whole point of what we're talking about is there is why don't why can't we just. Uh, achieve our goals when we're the only obstacle? Well, um, there's been a little research done uh, on the brain. Yes. And research does show that the brain tries to protect you from change, really. Yeah. Um, Like anything that's scary or fearful, um, which could be any kind of change in your patterns and your daily habits, is threatening, basically. But not only that, like even uh, remember when we were talking about chunking and habit formation on the video podcast? Yeah. Same thing. The brain is looking for a way to streamline a process so that it can use up the least amount of energy possible sure. in carrying out something. And the way to do that is just get you to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Habit formation. Right. So our brains are naturally inclined, we think at this point in the this this point in neuroscience, to finding the path of least resistance in carrying out something. Yeah. So that's habit formation. Aubrey Daniels has a book called, Oops, uh, <laughs> 13 Management Practices That Waste Time and Money. And uh, he argues that these stretch goals are not good for your company because um, he's, he's cited studies that when people and departments fail to reach their goals, then there's a performance decline afterward. So you set up these almost unattainable goals, and it's sort of a big bummer for everyone when you don't reach them. Yeah, especially if they've they've been really, really working hard to achieve them. I imagine there's like a, an aftermath where you're just like, well, what's the point in any of this if sure. we're going to work our tails off and still fail? Well, and that's one of the points is that with goals, it's sort of looked at as a pass-fail thing. You could, I mean... I guess some some managers are better at saying, well, we, we got 85% toward our goal, and that's really great. But mm-hmm, most right. of the time, it's we didn't reach our goal, so we failed. Right. And that's, um, that's an inherent problem with goals is what we were talking about with subjectivity and objectivity, where just do your best. Right. Or raise $100,000 in six months. Sure. Right? Um the, the good thing about goals is that they take away that subjectivity, but at the same time, like you're saying, they set you up for the the measure of success is perfection. Yeah. And um, that can be a problem for losers. <laughs> uh, Adam Galinsky is a professor at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, and he is a co-author of a book called Goals Gone Wild. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. But he has a quote in here I thought was really relevant, and he says that, uh, goal setting has been treated like an over-the-counter medication when it should really be treated with more care as a prescription strength medication. Yeah, and I like think they're we, too willy-nilly with it. Right. Well, yeah, it's it seems like a way to uh, solve a big problem all at once. And there is a dude named Sim uh, Sitkin at Duke 
who did a study of companies that do stretch goals. And a stretch goal, um, a, a way to quantify it, say, is to uh, uh, to be like the number 11 in-flight magazine in the country <laughs> and to say uh, you're, you're going to be number one in two quarters. We're going to be the number one in-flight magazine in the country in two quarters. Topple Sky Mall? Uh, yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a huge stretch goal. Sure. And they found uh, Sim Sitkin, who's got one of the better uh, business school professors' names of all time, um, found that companies that engage in stretch goals typically are already desperate yeah. and embattled. And um, if they fail at the stretch goal, they're in big trouble. Like it's a last ditch thing. Right. And it's a lot to ask of your employees. And it's kind of unfair rather than saying, okay, you know, what's wrong with our organization that led us to this point? How else can, how can we do this incrementally? It's kind of like a Hail Mary pass as a stretch goal. Right. Uh, interestingly too, they've also found out that, um, setting goals that people don't meet lead people to unethical behavior. Like when they're tasked to keep track of their own goals yes. and report, they will lie. Um, when they don't reach their goals. Yeah. Just to say they have reached that, you know, ethereal goal. But it's also you're asking somebody in as many words and not so many words, are, did, are you a success or are you a failure? Right. When you're saying, did you reach your goal or not? And um, the other the other aspect of um, unethical behavior related to goal setting is this, um, the idea that when you focus on a goal, mm-hmm. It's your. It's easier to compromise your everyday morality to achieve that goal. Oh sure. And apparently, like that's that's a that's a, a possible outcome of of goal setting is that people just start kind of cutting corners and, and cheating and right. doing whatever they need to to achieve that goal slash be successful. Well, or do weird and dangerous things like my father who like ate soup every day for like a year. Mm-hmm. And that's it, like a bowl of soup, well, yeah. and wore like one of those plastic suits around in the yeah. like July heat in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, or you know, I just won't eat anymore. Or right. Although he, I think he ate like cabbage soup for literally oh, like six or eight months man. straight. Wow. And it's that's just not like it's not healthy, you know. No, that's a great example. Yeah. Is something he otherwise wouldn't have done. That's kind of dangerous. Um, it's also uh, so it's dangerous. It can lead to unethical behavior. Another um, downside that people have suggested about goals is that um, they they can keep you from learning. Yeah, you're so focused on this goal, that, a number, yeah, sometimes. and then you're combined with the fact that your brain is into habit formation, so it's trying to figure out the easiest way to do this one thing. Yeah, that you end up with tunnel vision, and you possibly miss all sorts of other opportunities sure. or ways of learning to do this thing better. That may have nothing to do with the goal, but would achieve that goal uh, because you you have blinders on. Go- goal setting often is related to blinders. Like keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. And we're kind of slipping here in and out of um, organizational goals and personal goals. Um, but they do, they do share some common downsides. Yeah. What I liked in this research was toward the end of it where uh, – some more forward-thinking companies are concentrating less on uh, a number goal that everyone has to meet and more on what's called mindfulness, um, being in the moment, being present, rather than focusing on the future. So this part stunk of positive psychology to me. Yeah, but I kind of like it. I yeah. think mindfulness and uh, 
personal, like your goal for me, like I don't set goals like with the podcast other than do an awesome job. Like I don't, uh, we, I don't, don't, we don't have, have personal like goals for the podcast. Oh, man. No wonder we've been lagging lately <laughs> in the ratings. Chuck. Like the ratings are nice, but you and I don't sit down and say like, we want to be number five this week or we want this many downloads. Mm-hmm. It's more like you wake up and you just like, I want to do a great job today and be mindful and in the moment of that. And I know that's all hippy dippy, but <laughs> it's hippy talk. <laughs> um, Okay, so for those of you who do want to keep your eye on the ball and you do carry out goals and you set goals, right? Yeah. What what are in addition to those, you know, um steps you just gave to to setting goals, one of the things that they have to overcome, it feels like is uh procrastination. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Yeah, this is a really good interjection here. It was um one of the things that keeps you from achieving a goal um is just putting off taking it up right and that whole like journey be of a thousand miles begins with one step kind of thing if that's not working yeah you've tried the tree falling in the woods thing no buddhist like um <laughs> Axiom. slogans yeah, yeah. Are, are working um you should hear about this effect the zygarnik effect yeah or zygarnik uh this was named for a uh, russian psychologist bluma zygarnik mm-hmm. uh although i said that like she was german I don't do a good Russian. It's a, at least you didn't do a British <laughs> accent for that. Yeah, thanks. Um, she noticed something uh, while she was uh, eating at a restaurant in Vienna, reportedly. She saw, and I'm not quite sure I understand how it initially dawned on her, but she saw that waiters only seemed to remember orders which were in process of being served. Once they were completed, they forgot about them. Yeah, like if, if you went up to a waiter... Uh, after they took the order and was waiting on another table and asked them about the order they just took, they could repeat it to you. Sure. But after they brought the food out and maybe the check oh, okay. was, was made, if you asked the waiter what that order was, they, they would have no idea. Or they came back and they were like, how was your steak? And you're like, I had the chicken. Yeah. That and they, they <laughs> go commit seppuku. So she did a little studying on this and some other people, uh, and this was in the 1920s. And then later on, Kenneth McGraw, um, 60 years later, did some studies on the Zygernik effect. Basically asking people to do puzzles and string beads together and do certain tasks, mm-hmm. and then they would interrupt them sometimes. Right. And then quiz them afterward on what they remembered doing, and I think more people remembered who had been interrupted than who had completed the tasks. Right. Correct? And, yes, so that's significant. Equally significant in that Kenneth McGraw study was that um, something like 90% of the people who were interrupted in the task and told that they were done, they didn't have to complete it, mm-hmm. continued to complete it anyway. That would be me. Yes. Yeah, uh, that would drive me nuts. If I like, if they gave me a puzzle to do and there were like 10 pieces left and he said, no, get on out of here, right. I would freak out. I would obsess about that the rest of the day. Right. And, so, then, and then forget about it. <laughs> the, whole, the whole point of this is that we have some sort of drive to complete a task once we've started it. So... The key to overcoming procrastination as it relates to the Zygernik effect mm-hmm. um, is to just dive in somewhere, anywhere. Anything. It, depending on, and they've found in follow-up studies um, that if this, if the goal is just too lofty or if you really couldn't care less about the goal, mm-hmm. um, the Zygernik effect is likely to not have that much of an effect. Sure. But if you do, you, you know, you're, you're taking an order for money and you need to remember it. 
um, and you're interrupted, you're going to remember this, right? Yeah. Um, th- to get around procrastination, you um, just dive in and start. And it sounds like a cop out to say the trick to not procrastinating is just to start. But it's true. And they point out that a lot of people can be frozen in, and I was sort of like this with my backyard when we moved into my house. Mm-hmm. It was like, it looked like a, a junkyard. Right. Like a barren dirt junkyard. And it was literally one of those things where I walked back when we first moved in and I was just like, where do I start? Right. I was paralyzed. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then you pulled that first weed and within <laughs> two hours you had a brand new backyard. Well, that's the point though, is start small and be like, you know what? Just let me do this one thing. Right. And as long as you get that ball rolling, chances are you will continue little by little and eventually look back and be like, wow, I've actually gotten a lot done over the past six years. And apparently it doesn't even have to be, um, at the, you don't even have to start at the beginning. True. Like you didn't have to start at the specific corner. You could sure. have walked in the middle and started messing with whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, uh, there's some traps. We talked earlier about, um, the, the techniques that don't work. Mm-hmm. Apparently some techniques not only don't, don't help you uh, achieve your goals, they actually are detrimental. All right. They're deletrious to you achieving your goals. I'm sorry. They're detrious to you achieving your goals. Um, so, for example, if you make a goal way too specific, um, you you might get stuck on that one aspect of it rather and, and forget the overall part. Right. right. So um, let's say you wanted to be a better guitar player, and that was your overall goal. But your goal was to be able to play Carry On My Wayward Son. Yeah. And you focus on it. You focus on it. It's just not working. It's just not working. Perhaps you just wasted a bunch of time um, working on uh, Stairway to Heaven um, that you would have mastered very quickly and oh, gained sure. confidence from and then explored. Right. And rather, you're just facing frustration after frustration. Right. Uh, you also don't want to have too many goals at once because then you're just – that's just pie in the sky stuff. Sure. Uh, and then you also don't want uh, your goals to be too terribly short-term. Okay. So, like, you want to be a better guitar player. Right. That's pretty good. Why not be playing sold-out arenas eventually? Isn't that an even better goal? Loser? Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Or, actually, a good example of that is with my little plan now with the uh, the weight thing. Yeah. Like, the weekly thing. There is an overarching two month and four month goal. So it's sort of, in, that sort of, uh, lines up with that. Yeah. Like it's not just week to week. It's week to week with a two month and a four month in mind, but not just two month and four month. Like I have to break down. I can't set a goal for a year out. Yeah. I've got to break it down. But I wonder, um, if, if you set a goal for two month or three month. Yeah. Um, and it was to like lose X amount of weight or go to the gym X number of times or whatever. But then you set a, after you set those goals, a larger overarching goal to be, you know, to have like some better, get better, a better cholesterol score a year from now or something like that. Sure. Would that work or would it set you personally, would it set you back in your two shorter term goals if you then made a longer term goal after this, the shorter ones were made? 
Uh, so like if I met the two month and the four month, if oh, I made one for like a year after that? Yeah, or you didn't even meet them. You were just like in the midst of them. You started to have them kind of like under control and you're like, oh, okay, I might actually meet these. I'm, I'm in the thick of them. Why not yeah. just maybe set a longer term goal? I think that would work. Yeah. Which goes, uh, fits in the model of achieving goals can gain, gain you confidence. Well, I just got my degree in organizational psychology <laughs> just now. You watched it happen. Very nice. Yeah. You tricky son of a, you know what? Let's see. What else, Chuck? Uh, well, I know that um, people talk about the younger generation, people in their like 20s and early 30s are uh, actually a little more goal-oriented now than maybe perhaps they were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Is that right? Yeah, and I think uh, people, uh, especially women, there's a big movement for – Turning 30 is like a big, big thing now. And it's always been a big thing. But like there are all these blogs now where these women have these goals where I want to do this by the time I'm 30 or I'm turning, you know, I'm 29, I'm turning 30 and I want to get this done in the next year. Like sort of a a pre-middle age bucket list type of thing. Gotcha. And I think that Eat, Pray, Love book had something to do with that. And that movie, The Bucket List. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually know the guy who... I think he wrote it. Wow. He was a fellow PA with me in L.A. Oh, yeah. Yes. And now he's like some big-time movie guy. That's pretty big-time. He had... Uh, Jack Nicholson. He was pulling the strings of Nicholson and... Um, Freeman. Morgan Freeman, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it, it, we know a girl, actually, a girl who worked on our, our TV pilot, Laura, has um, a blog, uh, 29 Turning 30, where she wanted to do something new every day for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I read it from time to time. I think it's kind of cool. And they're not always huge things, like... One might be like uh, make a uh, make a, a tur- bake a turkey for Thanksgiving. Okay, like something she had never done before in the middle of July. <laughs> or one might be go skydiving. Like there are larger ones, but every single day she wants to do something different. <clears throat> every day, huh? Yeah, I that's think it's cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, and that's both short term and long term. Um, but also, I, I wonder though, like what will be done with that. I, I see what you're saying now when you reference the bucket list. That sure. We have become, like, the 70s and 80s, it was very goal-oriented, but it seemed more organizational, and now it seems like it's transitioned more to personal goal-setting. Like traveling like that. and uh, Just doing world. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I guess the point is, is what will be done when, you know, that person turns 30? Um, what will be done when somebody finishes their bucket list and then they're kind of sitting around, like, <laughs> waiting to die? Like, there's a – there's – in this article that you put together – um, it was, you know, there's the pro goal mm-hmm. setting. There was the goal can be, goal setting can be good and bad. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of the anti-goal setting. Yeah. And one of the things from the anti-goal setting seemed to suggest like, do we even need goals? Do we, do we need to set them? Or is it really actually kind of a bad psychotic thing to, to set it, to set goals, especially as like a regular habit? Yeah. You know, if you are overweight and you want to lose weight and you want to lose weight, maybe goal setting is a good thing. But if throughout your normal day yeah. or your normal life, is is goal setting a good thing? And I really think we kind of tapped it on the shoulder at the beginning Yeah. when we said it's kind of tailored to the individual. It is. Uh, with the weight thing, some people might do very well with a poundage goal and not do crazy things. Um some people might do better with, you know what, I'm going to start out this week by not eating sweets and going to the gym three times. Right. But 
isn't there also a voice in there somewhere? And it seems like there's not these days, especially in the West, for the people who said, I'm happy being fat. Well, yeah, that that is one of the things uh, one of these psychologists points out is the detriment of goals is it sort of puts a, a, a taint on uh, personal acceptance. Right. You know? Yeah. Because the idea is if I didn't meet my goal, that means I have failed and that I'm not good enough as I was. Right. And still not good enough because I didn't reach that goal. Yeah. But even beyond setting a goal and failing, is there a place in this world and uh, for people who don't set goals, who are not not like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, yeah. but somebody who like, you know, has a job, goes to work, is, but isn't like... Out there, like I'm gonna make an extra 50k this year. Sure. I'm I'm um I'm gonna have three kids in one year. Watch this, it's crazy, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Like just setting a, setting goals that like like this is my life and it has to lurch forward. Yeah. Somebody's just like I'm pretty happy. I've got cable TV. It keeps me pretty happy all the time. I uh, my car's a beater, but I mean it still gets me to and from work. I kind of like my boss. I don't want his job, but um I'm pretty happy where I am. My wife and kids. Kids love me. I love them. We get to go on really, you know, um, poor vacations, but we go on vacations yeah. together. And I spend time with them. Like those people are being edged out by goal setting in this country. That was me, and still is to a large part. Oh yeah, definitely. But at the same time, I feel like you have struck something of a healthy balance though sure. too. I feel like you can make your life progress. Yeah. Uh, by leaps and bounds, by setting goals and achieving them, but. I think we should all be aware that there is a cost to that. Yeah. And it's frequently your uh, comfort. Yeah. You know? Wow. Good stuff. This I wasn't sure about this one. I, I, there. You put it together. You did a good job. I was sure of it. You said lots of words. So, <laughs> um, let's see. If you want to learn more about goals, I, I don't know where you'd learn them on this site. Do you? No, but we'd love to hear from you if you have... Uh, encountered your own like 20s to 30s young bucket list experience type okay. of thing. Chuck does at least. Sure. Um, <laughs> you can learn all about psychology at HowStuffWorks.com. Um, we've got stuff on positive psychology, happiness, all sorts of crazy stuff. Just type psychology into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I said search bar, which means it's time to plug our happiness audiobook. That's right. That is a goal. Uh, we recorded a happiness audiobook a while ago. Yeah. And uh, I think it's pretty good. It's got yeah. Interviews. It's got, uh, which is, you know, different for us. We normally don't do interviews. Oh, it was good. We put some time and effort into it. Sure. My niece speaks. She, That's right. Re- opens she the thing. quotes the Dalai Lama at the beginning. And we got an email from somebody saying, like, that uh, teared the, the, re- the listener up. Yeah. When they heard my niece saying that. And I was like, yeah, that is cool. <laughs> Uh, but it's good. Yeah, we have professionals, and it goes all over the map, man. We yeah. um, we explore whether happiness is a good thing, whether yeah. it's a bad thing. It was just good. I'm proud of it. I like it. There's also our happy our, our super stuff guide to the economy right next to it. Yeah, is that still relevant? Yes, because it was about economics. Okay, it wasn't. It, we didn't even mention the bailout. I That's don't true. Know. It, was, it was fairly evergreen. It was about the money supply. It was about supply and demand. True, it was about true. classical versus. Um, uh, versus Keynesian economics. Yeah, you're right. It was good. 
Okay, they're both worth it. And they're both what, like four or five bucks? I think so. We're, we're working on getting them elsewhere, hopefully, but uh, you can definitely get them on iTunes right now if you uh, look hard enough. That's right. Just go to iTunes in the search in the store and search uh, "stuff you should know super stuff guide" and it'll bring both of them up. That's right. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me and Chuck with your bucket list, you can uh, tweet to us a very short bucket list at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, go on Facebook. Sure. Facebook.com slash stuff you should know. The new timeline page <laughs> that I hate. Which you love. Ugh. I don't know anybody that likes that. Nah, some people did. Some people were like, you're just old. You resisted to change. I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, no, it's kind of clunky and weird. These are the same people who tell you it's okay to have the extra eclair, huh? That's right. Uh, you can also set a goal to email us, um, and you can achieve it by addressing it to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?